0: I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Inside one classroom in Brighton Park, a group of students meets bi-weekly. They're there to unpack their experiences migrating to Chicago, lean on each other, and learn how to cope. And they're just a few of thousands of migrant children to join Chicago public schools since August 2022. And the support group is trying to tackle a complex issue, serving the needs of their mental health as they cope with the trauma of their journeys and begin to settle into the city. We talked with Chalkbeat Chicago reporter Rima Amin, who recently shadowed the support group. And Rima started off by setting the scene for us and telling us what stood out to her when she visited the group.
1: Yeah. The first word I would use is quiet. Um, I mean, the really? students kind of, yeah, the, there were eight students in the group. Um, currently, I should say there are eight students in the group and they kind of walked in, they were talking to each other. Um, but, you know, they knew a reporter was in the room just kind of observing. Uh, spoiler alert, that was me. You're right. Um, and just generally, I think that the children are a little quiet. Um, and so they kind of sat down and Um, you know, the group opened up with kind of um, resetting the norms or the expectations, which include, you know, we don't share what happens in this group outside of here with with others. Um, And then kind of going into the high points and low points of their weeks. Mm -hmm. And um,
0: did that little disclaimer seem to provide some sort of relief, you think?
1: That's a great question. I don't know if I noticed that right away, but all of the students at this point, I think this was maybe the third or fourth group that they've had this year. Mm -hmm. And they were completely steeped in like the norms, the expectations um, of the group, and I, I think you know I heard from the teachers holding it that they have started to feel more more comfortable in opening up. Um, so they definitely were aware of it, um, and and yeah, I would just say quiet was my was my overall impression. It it took a lot to I think get them to come out of their shells, which is understandable. I think
0: uh, for chalkbeat, you wrote about this boy who was feeling shut out. Of, of conversations when his peers switch to speaking English. Talk us through that.
1: Yes. So the structure of the group is to walk, uh, at least this early on in the school year, is to walk the students through... Um, different skills in coping with stress and understanding kind of what their emotions are, what their stressors are. Um, and so one activity that the students did over the course of this hour of the group was to understand that your emotions or your feelings can turn into emotions, and those can then lead to, to actions. Um, and so the students were asked to share, you know, can you provide an example of this? So this particular child you're talking about, um, you know, he kind of nervously laughed his way through the story, but the story was that, uh, you know, I was kind of standing around with another group of kids, and it sounded like they had started talking in Spanish at first, and then they switched to English, and he immediately felt shut out of the conversation. Um, He still doesn't totally, you know, fluently speak English yet, and so then the teacher asked him, okay, so that, what was your emotion? And he said, bad, I, I felt bad, and then she followed up with, and what was your ensuing action? What was the thing that you did because of that emotion? And he said, "I walked away." Mm. Um, that was a very, very striking moment in that because I felt like that encapsulates kind of what educators and social workers and anyone who works with kids um, almost fears. You never want a child to feel excluded, and that's exactly what he described. Oh, absolutely,
0: yeah. Take us back. What motivated the school staff there to to start? the program? And what would you say are its goals?
1: Yeah, so the teacher who is helping run this group, her name is Jennifer Morehouse, um, and she teaches um, English as a second language. She supports English language learners. And last year, as school started seeing newcomer students come in and seeing migrant students come in, um, she noticed, she she met this one student who um, she believed was showing signs of trauma. You know, at at points uh, during the school day, he would shake uncontrollably. He very visibly did not want to be there. And she realized um, that he was going through so much, but it didn't seem like he had anything specific in school to kind of help walk him through those emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then in partnership with the school counselor at the school, um, they decided to kind of launch a group where um, other, other students who had maybe been through the same immigration journey as him could get together, could talk, could um, support each other. And yeah. that, so it's fairly new. It started last school year. And so this is their first full school year starting it.
0: Well, let's zoom out a little bit, right? Because we're, we're talking about this one school, but I, I wonder if teachers on a whole feel capable of supporting newcomer students. What, what are some of the things you're hearing about the situations in classrooms right now?
1: Definitely. I mean, this is continuing to be very timely. I think, um, you know, our sense at Chalkbeat is that teachers... I mean, this is real time. Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing um, an increase in migrant families just in the city in general, and I believe in schools as well. Um, And educators have raised the alarm before even the school year started that, you know, many believe that there's not adequate staffing at schools to kind of Support English language learner programs and bilingual programs that that support these students in their native language as well as um, learning English. And then there have also been um, concerns about whether schools are equipped with the right mental health resources, social emotional resources, um, kind of similar to something like the support group. Right. Um, Even to the point where recently Chicago Public School educators went to the State Board of Education and kind of pleaded with them like, hey, we're seeing on the ground that our schools really don't have the kind of support that they need. We're getting lots of kids coming in. And what was the reception? Um, It seemed like the State Board of Education, uh, you know, they heard them out. um, And I think the next step is going to be on the state level to see maybe what they, uh, perhaps they will advocate to send more resources, more funding to CPS and to other school districts. Um, It kind of remains to be seen.
0: So this session over in in Brighton Park, this was done entirely in Spanish. Uh, We know, though, that, I mean, only... Only so many counselors and social workers are fluent in the languages that their students speak, right? How important is it to have support services in your primary language, your first language, Rima?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think that this was a really striking point in this support group. Both the um, teacher and the counselor who was, a, you know, who was supporting, um, partnering with the teacher to run this group, both of them Spoke fluent Spanish. The entire group was done in Spanish because these students are still learning and grasping English. And I kind of pictured, just as an observer, let's say that one of these educators, let, let's say it was me, someone who does not speak Spanish and needs a lot of help translating, mm-hmm. running that group. I, 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 I would have, I, I would have the best intentions, perhaps, but I would have really not the right tools to support students to understand different dialects, even um, to even kind of understand the cultural backgrounds that maybe some of these students are coming from. Yeah. Um, I think, point. yeah, um, I think, and the district has said that I think uh, about 5% of their, um, you know, 800 social workers who 5% of them have like bilingual endorsements or a similar endorsement. Um, perhaps that means that more can speak Spanish, but um, that is something that I think we've heard advocates call for that we need more support staff like that, more social workers to be able to speak more than one language. You
0: know that said, Brighton Park Elementary, uh, it's a it's a community school, right? So That's it right. gets it gets funding, um, specific funding, and partners with uh, nonprofit organizations yes. uh, to provide these kinds of wraparound services like what we're describing. So would you say the approach here at Brighton Park is unique?
1: I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just as you said, this community school, since they're part of, um, you know, community schools program Mm -hmm. in CPS, they actually received the funding to train their teachers on the model that this support group is based on. Um, It's called STRONG. I'm already forgetting the acronym, but it's aimed at supporting newcomer students. Um, and so that community school's funding helped pay for that training for teachers. And actually the counselor, who um, is one of the people who runs the support group, um, her the funding for her salary is provided through, again— um, the nonprofit organization, the community schools funding yeah. that Brighton Park partners with. So they're in a pretty unique position, I think. Um,
0: Strong is uh, supporting transition resilience of newcomer groups.
1: Thank you. Yes, that is it. <laughs>
0: thank Reset Producers. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: so do you think then that this program could be replicated in other schools?
1: That's a good question. I I don't know if I can speak to that, um, but it was it was unique for me to see— the partnership between a teacher and a school counselor. Um, I think some educators or principals may argue that they don't have the funding to do that. Perhaps maybe they've dedicated extra COVID relief money to an academic program. Mm -hmm. Um, The district has said that there's $35 million in this fiscal year's budget that goes towards things like mental health support, social-emotional curriculum. Um, But we don't have a great sense of how that plays out on the ground. So it seems like partnerships between teachers and counselors, um, you know, at more schools, maybe that's happening and maybe that could lead to more programs like this.
0: Let's dig more into the approach that the support group takes, Rima. I mean, coping skills first and how how are they doing this?
1: Yeah, so um, how the group kind of generally operates is there are about eight to ten sessions. The initial sessions are based on helping The students understand that stress happens to everyone, and kind of helping them recognize what it is. So, like at this group um, that I went to on, uh, you know, on a recent Friday, Mm -hmm. they were asked to recognize what is the physical reaction of your body to stress. So, the teacher, for example, shared like my stomach hurts when I'm stressed out. So, helping them recognize that that's kind of what stress is. That's how it manifests, and then. Progressively, they help them understand or give them tools on how to cope with stress, things that you can do to help relax yourself, um, things that you can do to lessen that load Mm -hmm. that you feel when you're stressed out. And then ultimately, the goal is to talk to the students one-on-one, and by that I mean the teacher and the counselor would, yeah, and talk to them about the journey that they made to the United States, since this is a curriculum specifically for newcomers. Um, and then kind of have them talk through that and and share, um, you know, things that they remember from that journey, things that maybe were difficult for them, um, perhaps things that they remember fondly, um, you know, just from after coming here, whatever it might be, and then seeing if they would like to share that with the group. Um, you know, I think that there's a bit of a filtering process, the teachers told me, where They decide, okay, this might be too sensitive to share. Or perhaps a student in that conversation may show signs of um, needing counseling on their own, where they're not Uh, talking to a big group and sharing something that might have been very traumatic. Um, And after that, then they're allowed to, if they want to, share their personal journeys. And I think the goal of that, to my understanding, is to kind of help you and others realize that, that you're not alone.
0: And I think that's why, bringing it back to that first step that we talk, talked about, which is developing coping skills, why that's so important. Right. If they start there and they learn, you know, to your stress example, for instance, stress causes physical pain in my body. They'll start to understand yes, the process.
1: They'll recognize it. And and I thought something interesting that I heard um, from the teacher that helps run it was that, you know, last year when she did this, the students kind of, um, which seems unique to me now, actually the students last year were, um, really eager to share their stories right away and so they kind of had flipped the curriculum and she realized that wait we haven't really set them up though with the tools that even come with just telling your story and if it's something very traumatic like not not knowing how to mm-hmm. kind of deal with even telling the trauma that comes from retelling your trauma Ooh. um so that's that's boy kind does of, it ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean and and that's what they're trying to set these kids up to do yeah. this year i think
0: the students are also um they're logging their relaxation strategies?
1: Yeah. So this, was a, this came at the very end of the group um, that I observed. They were given a sheet of paper. And I mean, think about, you know, when we were in school, um, you had to log the books that you read. It kind of looked like a calendar log like that, um, except the teacher asked them, you know, when you recognize your stress this week or this upcoming week, when you feel it, Think about the relaxation strategies we talked about. So one thing they did in the group was um, they got stress, like little stress balls um, shaped as beehives. I'm not sure why, <laughs> but um, they taught them just a simple strategy on how to squeeze the ball. And, um, you know, the kids were laughing their way through it. But the teacher said, "Because it feels
0: like a very silly activity. Right. It's <laughs> right, like I know how to do this. Well,
1: yeah. But um, I think their point was this is a really simple thing you can try to do to relax yourself. And um then let's talk about it at the ne- at the next group and see what you guys did over the course of the week. I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: Well, over the course of, of the session, you you mentioned that you you saw this support group seem to work for one students. Can you tell us about her?
1: Yeah, um, I, yeah, that that was really kind of um, interesting to see in real time. So there was one student who, um, you know, she came in. She she seemed very shy at first. Um, Kind of had her hair in her face, um, was kind of looking down. And as a course, as a group progressed, as the hour progressed, I could tell that she was sharing more, um, and was speaking up more, was kind of interacting with other students more. And then um, I noticed when the group dispersed at the end of the hour, she stood, she hung back a little bit, and she was talking to Jennifer, who's the teacher that helps run the group. Mm-hmm. One on one. And, you know, Jennifer later told me that when I asked, you know, did you see anyone coming out of their shell? And, and she mentioned this particular student and said, you know, when she was over there in the corner with me, she actually just wanted to talk more one on one, and which is like which was growth. And so it was it was. Pretty cool to kind of see that. Um, And and I will say, like, that was not the case with um, several other students. Yeah, not every child reacts that way. Right. Um, But for this student, it seemed at least that day, she seemed to kind of come out of her shell. The leaders
0: of the support group to that end, I mean, they recognize that these biweekly sessions, they're not going to fix everything. A, and B, this is one school. Right. Are there district-wide strategies to support newcomers?
1: So when I asked the district this, they did mention, um, you know, the $35 million that they've put towards general mental health um, support and social-emotional curriculum. Um, You know, as far as—and a spokesperson told me that schools, you know, may very well choose to use that kind of the funding that eventually funnels down to schools. They might choose to use it for after-school programs specifically for migrant students or for groups like this, um, kind of, you know, to pay for overtime, to support a teacher who can have a group like this. We, we again, we don't have a accounting or understanding of how many schools are kind of doing something like this. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a full understanding of, you know, the very targeted supports for migrant students at schools. So that's still a question um, that I'm hoping to explore and, and get a better understanding yeah, and, and of. And where
0: do you see the most need
1: Yeah, at this point, Um, I I, you know I can't even answer that question either. I mean, my guess would be in pockets like the Southwest Side. um, I've also heard on the North Side there are many migrant families that are kind of settling down there, um, even finding temporary homes like shelters or you know wherever over there. And um, I think it kind of depends on where families are. which neighborhoods they're making home. Mm -hmm. And um, that obviously leads to kind of where they're enrolling in school. It's going to be all over. Yes. Um,
0: You mentioned earlier migrant students, mental health being a continuing issue. So, I mean, what can you tell us then that is on the horizon with your reporting? What else will you be watching for?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think just continuously talking to teachers and um, principals and kind of social workers, whoever is on the ground working with these students, um, I think that these, just from the initial reporting, um, I think that these are needs that kind of don't change. That that it, I mean, every child is different, and I think everyone's experience is, is certainly different. But um, I think that as more families come, schools are going to s- potentially see an increased need to have really some strong supports in place to continue to help newcomers. Um, and just kind of having a better understanding of what those resources look like um, is going to be key to our reporting going forward. We'll leave it there.
0: Rima Amin is a reporter for Chalkbeat Chicago, and we've been talking through the way that one school in the city is supporting students who recently migrated here. Thank you so much, Rima. Thank you. This episode was produced by Max Lubers and Landon Jones, and it was edited by Meha Ahmed and Ethan Schwab. If you like this conversation, consider subscribing to and liking this podcast. It helps listeners like you find the show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll meet again soon.